0: When the gut is wonky, when it is not in, when it is, when the environment in there is not up to par, then all those little microbes, they all have different jobs and they send signals and we have something called the gut-brain axis and that is a pathway that travels along the spine, it's nerves and everything that travels up to the brain and it can actually penetrate through the blood-brain barrier, which was thought to be impenetrable at one point in time. And so these these bacteria can either send calming signals or stress signals, causing inflammation up in, you know, up through the brain, causing a stress response of the brain.
1: Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Health Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Foster, and I'm super excited to be here today with Brittany Oliver, who is a board-certified health and life coach. She's an author, speaker, and also the founder of an international online health coach training school. Wow, that's quite an introduction. And also, um, may I just say, has five children with a sixth on the way. So pretty amazing. Welcome to the show, Brittany. It's so great to have you here.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Angela. I'm just, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you could fit me in among
1: um, everything that you do. So first of all, let's get started with your background and
0: how you came into this. Yeah. So, you know, originally I'd spent... You know, my personal story, and I, I get to chat about this a lot, but my personal story is I really struggled badly with M, anxiety and depression from as early as age, as age four, um, and I couldn't explain it as a child. Obviously, people don't get it. You know, parents do their best, but, kid, you know, in kids, it doesn't look like it does in adults. They can't articulate things. They'll articulate, you know, I can't, I, my tummy hurts, I can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. They'll cry a lot, things like that. But I always thought I was dying. And I went through episodes of this for so much of my life and then full-blown panic attacks and a, a, a real true like nervous breakdown my junior year in high school. And, you know, it was this ebb and flow of of this especially intensive panic. And um, and as I got older, I got kind of in, I got into, I adapted a more healthy lifestyle and I had seen improvement. You know, I had, I had started losing weight and exercising and doing what I thought was healthy, dietarily, which is just basically cutting calories and, and low fat, right? It was like (laughs) completely, it wasn't, it wasn't intelligent. It was, it was the weight loss thing, but I lost about 40 pounds after high school and I saw improvement, but I'd also have these, these fluctuations of just terrible anxiety. And, um, as the years went on I experienced i you know i i would dial in and kept researching I was involved you know i i had been in personally involved in health and wellness for about a decade on my own it was just my hobby it was my obsession essentially, and I had Grown in that area, and got to a point where I was fully vegetarian, and a lot of things had improved, but there was still some stuff that just wasn't quite right, and it was very home hormonally tied. So I I was experiencing infertility at age twenty three. I couldn't get pregnant for like a year, um, which just wasn't normal, you know, not really common. Mm. Once you start hitting that one year mark, especially at that age, and especially diligently yeah, feels trying to conceive, isn't so it? Twenty three. Yeah. Oh gosh, now. <laughs> that's 12 years ago for me. now. Um, And then when I did get pregnant, I lost that baby. And then I went on to have my son. And then after my son, I lost another baby. And this one was at 10 weeks. And it was finally at that point in time that I started kind of delving deeper, thinking that maybe my lifestyle choices weren't assisting me well. I felt like hormonally maybe thyroid or something wasn't quite right. And and because of the depression and then the hormonal stuff, I, I said, well, this looks hormonal, right? So I dug into that. And after having my second son, um, who's now five, like it's my five kids are his mine and now ours on the way. So I didn't birth all six and birth three, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but after the five-year-old, you know, after the second one was born, I really got in to gut health. I researched further, um, to recover, you know, and throughout pregnancy and and after pregnancy, especially. And I completely, I was a brick and mortar business owner. I completely stopped what I was doing and decided it was It was time to really launch into wellness and coaching had become a thing and it wasn't before. And, um, conventional sources that, you know, uh, Diet, diet headaches and things like that. I, I looked into a lot of that, but I just wasn't in alignment with some with some of the teachings. I didn't want to be in a hospital setting. I wanted, I wanted to empower people to heal because I had healed so many things on, on my own. I got to a point where I hardly ever had a panic attack. I could feel anxiety coming a mile away and I could do things to keep it down. I mean, a lifetime of suffering with that stuff, people would have labeled me hopeless. And I wasn't and I wasn't on meds. And I, I did all that through my diet and lifestyle and, and a deeper approach. And so I got into coaching and I, it, which led me into gut health. And it really, it, I, I dug deeper on that and ended up writing my first book, which brought me to a point of teaching gut health at the school that I went to. Um, they picked up, I, I made a course out of it, they picked it up. And I was teaching on it until it got to a point where we really outgrew that other organization and grew into a full health coach training school, utilizing gut health as the center of of nutrition and mind body health. And I've been running with that ever since. And that is, you know, of all the things I've done in my life, it's like, my feet are really, really solid in this arena now. And now being pregnant, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm working with the same thing with pregnant women, like you said, you know, um, you know, with your stuff too, is, you know, after postpartum and everything, gut health is such an integral part of our health and all these pieces of life that it just is, it was one of those things that I was so called to bring to people because I realized that so many people just don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, amazing, absolutely amazing to hear your journey and, and what you've done and to actually overcome that level of anxiety is is pretty, really powerful, pretty extraordinary. So I know when we were speaking just before, we were talking about how you can't really separate um, sort of mental and physical, emotional and spiritual health and how the gut um, gut health and your sort of mindset really are, um, the, the mind-gut connection are very powerfully intertwined. What have you found in terms of, you said initially there that nutrition at the first stage was really helpful in terms of you minimizing anxiety. What did you find? What changed for you as you changed out your nutrition? What changes did you make for anyone listening who's struggling
0: with anxiety? Well, the, some of the basics originally were cutting out stimulants. That's where I'd started. I mean, being careful with anything, any kind of stimulant. So this is um, obviously, I wasn't a smoker, but if you were a smoker, um, alcohol, sugar caffeine um, those things that are going to be more stimulating you know i had to really make sure i was pulling those things back keeping blood sugar stable and all that um, but those were just some of the habits that was just the tip of the iceberg essentially to really get somewhere with this i learned that when the gut is wonky when it is not in when it is when the environment in there is not up to par, then all those little microbes, they all have different jobs and they send signals. And we have something called the gut-brain axis. And that is a pathway that travels along the spine, its nerves and everything that travels up to the brain. And it can actually penetrate through the blood-brain barrier, which was thought to be impenetrable at one point in time. And so these, these bacteria can either send calming signals or stress signals, causing inflammation up in, you know, up through the brain, causing a stress response of the brain and vice versa. So it wasn't just the immediate things that were obvious, like, okay, you know, don't drink too much caffeine, don't have, you know, too much sugar and blah, blah, blah. It was really then delving in hardcore into getting my gut in alignment so that the environment there was more conducive to calm, um, could rest and digest because. You know, like I said, with, with stress, it also affects the gut. So, you know, we can't say really which comes first, the chicken or the egg. It, it is just, it's almost just like a circuitry that just runs back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And they are both almost one in a sense. hmm yeah for sure
1: and so so with that where would somebody start like should they start by doing do you recommend that they do um testing in terms of the microbes in their gut or intolerance testing or do you suggest that they start looking at and getting kind of psychotherapy style help with their mind what where where should somebody start who is suffering with anxiety and depression and would you expect them to be experiencing gut symptoms or could that be silent like would they be having bloating irritability um, maybe looser stools what have you found or is it different in
0: everyone it can be different in absolutely every person the gut shows up in so many things so it can be mood it can be sleep is very common skin is very common your skin is one of the largest organs it is a massive communicator as to the state of your gut Some people, it's GI issues. And that's what people usually make the mistake of thinking. They're just like, whether or not they have really obvious gastrointestinal problems. Um, And sometimes they have those symptoms, but they've lived with them for so long, they can't even, they don't even, they're not significant enough to them until they get really severe. So uh, one of the things is when someone really struggles with anxiety and depression, um, one of the hardest things is to, like I said, you you have to come at it from both things. I don't say either first. I say everybody's different. Some people are going to be okay going to a, a therapist. Um, someone else is gonna take up, you know, meditation and just affirmations on a daily basis, uh, along with some of these dietary changes, you know, really good quality probiotic. You know, at least that's usually an easy thing that people can implement that's like, okay, it's not gonna be the magic cure all pill though. So like I said, it's, we've got to come at it from both things, but the hard part is that some people are so miserable, but they're ready. So they're like, Hey, just tell me what to do. The other, the other part, when we're dealing with mental health is that a lot of the times they can, it feels trivial to them. It feels trite to say, okay, let's talk about your diet and movement right now when their world is black, essentially, because if anyone's ever been through anxiety or depression, um, you're not even part of this world. I mean, I can't explain it. I I tried to explain it to my partner. I said, you know, a great way to explain depression. Anxiety is kind of another thing. Um, But depression is like I said, imagine if you had this amazing opportunity and we're going to take a huge family trip to Hawaii and it's like a dream come true or to somewhere we want to go. It's this big, exciting thing. But one of our kids passes away. And, you know, we're going on this big trip a month later, two months later, and we decide to go. Does any of that stuff... Hold any of that excitement or significance to us because of that looming um, grieving that we're doing. Because of that place you're in, if you've gone something through something so devastating, can you even enjoy being in that place? Likely not, really, especially in that time frame. You know what I mean? It follows you everywhere you go, and so that's how I describe mental health, anxiety. Depression, you can't be present in this life, in this world, in a lot of moments when it acts up really bad. And so how do you explain to somebody who's in a place like that and say, all right, let's, let's focus on your diet. You know what I mean? Like, let's change up what you're eating. Getting the body moving, actually, I'd say is one of the best things. Just get get their body moving and come at it from a few things. It's going to be a very individualized approach because it's going to depend on the person on the severity of what they're dealing with, whether they're more depressed, depressive or anxious or both um, and what exactly they're open to what they're comfortable with to start. But, but if you can remember that, Health is, is all-encompassing. It's mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So if you can kind of create a place to start that encompasses all those things for them in areas that they're comfortable with, with someone it may be their church or a spiritual organization, with someone else that's a it's a therapist or both, with someone else that's maybe meditation or affirmations, you know what I mean? Um, and, mm-hmm. and then also address what they're eating and some specific supplements. I find that one of the most important things to do is to educate people first, to say, look. You are not broken. Your gut is responsible for producing 90% of your serotonin and 50% of your dopamine. These are the major happy juice hormones responsible for the chemistry in your brain. If, they are not, if the gut is not producing that, how are you supposed to feel? What do you think the body? You're not broken. It's not that your brain's broken or that it's hopeless for you. It's that there's things that are not in alignment with your body. Be like, we sucked the juice right out of you. You know what I mean? How would you feel if, when people are anemic, they don't have energy because they don't have iron in their blood, right? It's a physical problem. So to understand some of the science and the technical pieces of mental health that are connected to the gut can help people have some faith in the process and give them a little more hope. Like, I know you feel broken right now, but these are some of the things you're dealing with. I'm going to educate you on some of these things. And then We're going to come up with a plan to get some of these things better so that they can technically understand pieces of it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the way you describe it there is is perfect. You know, someone who went through kind of 10 years of of clinical depression, you're absolutely right. It's like, you can't, it goes everywhere with you and it doesn't matter. The thing is you're numb at that point. It doesn't matter whether the sun's shining. (laughs) You don't even know it is because it's just darkness. So for Mm -hmm. you, it makes no difference. You can't even get those cues or from, you know, circadian rhythm. It just, but as you say, getting moving was one of the best things that I did to help alongside all of the other work that you're talking about that really helps. Um, But Mm -hmm. somehow there is a certain amount of power and movement and it releases endorphins and you start to feel like you can begin to make changes and then that helps you sleep better and then from there as the sleep starts to kick in you can be more Mm -hmm. proactive i think in making those changes but as you say it's um it's different for everyone um Mm -hmm. Tell me more about um, the coaching school that you run and how that works, because I know that you're now certifying people in this form of health coaching for the mind and the gut. Um, Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, so we do three different levels of training because we have people that need, they're looking for different things. So we train a lot of coaches that come from other health coach schools that are certified previously. Um, so sometimes they just want to add the gut health or they just want to add the stress and mindset so they can do that solo. Um, we have some people that just really want to handle the gut and the coaching. They're just really into that. Um, I'd say 80% of the people that we train are involved with some type of network marketing wellness business, product business. And so while we don't align with any of them, um, they're a big base for us because we try and teach them that, you know, nutrient nutrition, whether it's absorbed or not. Um, a lot of that, the gut, the state of the gut will determine what kind of nutrients are processed and absorbed. So how can you, can you just bring supplements to people? If you, if the rest of their life is acting against, um, utilizing them the best that they can. So we do, we do end up, you know, and they end up kind of getting a taste for wellness and developing a passion and wanting to go further and wanting to fully coach people and help them really, Move mountains with their goals, Um, so that's you know a lot of our students are are from things like that. So um, sometimes they just want the gut health and the coaching piece, you know, to just coach people and work within that spectrum. The ones who want the full coaching, they want to sit down, they want to work with people. Like what I just said, like my passion is mental health and um, postpartum and pregnancy. Um, It's very, it's all very connected for me. So um, I love that. So to really do that, I most coaches that want to really get into coaching with us do the full triple certification. And that's the, the gut health, the holistic health coach and the stress and mindset coaching, because we're pulling all that together. And we're talking about the stress in the body and stress. Isn't just the way we think, it. I feel like actually stress is so overused anymore. The word that we don't understand the spectrum that it exists on you know, which is kind of simple stress, like, oh, you know, five o'clock traffic frustrates me, all the way to trauma stress from things that happen in our childhood that are triggered on a constant basis, um, to chemical stress and things in our products in our environment, um, lack of sleep, blah, 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 all these things they keep the body in a sympathetic dominant state, and they, they don't allow the rest and digest functions to, to happen. So when the body does this, when it's in a, you know, like a fight or flight, Um, the first thing it does is it robs blood flow to the gut because it doesn't need that right now. You don't need to digest food right now. You need to run from the tiger. Okay. So the problem is, is when the body's in that state all the time, then it's, it really wreaks havoc and it starves the gut. It kills it. It's like a plant. I mean, what would happen if you held light and water from a plant for a couple minutes, you know, a little bit, it's going to be fine. But if that's happening all the time, the plant's going to die. And that's how our gut works. So People that really are getting into coaching and really want to work with people or groups and really get to that next level, that triple certification is the one they go through. So that's how we deem what we do. But we have all the options for everybody because we do teach gut health. Some people just want that. They just, the personal trainers or the, you know, they just want that piece. Mm -hmm. So it just depends.
1: and that's so important what you say there, because um, that fight or flight response, as you say, people are often chronically stressed all of the time. And I think, you know, most of the immune system is also contained within the gut and the adrenal system yes. and the immune system cannot function at the same time because faced with a virus or a tiger, you're going to have to prioritize the tiger first. Otherwise, yes. you may never live to get over the virus anyway. Um, and so, yeah, so important. Do you have a protocol that you work with in terms of like looking for anything that's pathogenic, like sort of removing before restoring, or is it more of a holistic thing in terms of doing it through um, nutritional programs rather than, or do you, do you teach testing protocols as well?
0: You know, we do teach our students to sometimes utilize like gut testing kits and stuff. We also part of this is liability reasons. Part of this is for both them and their clients benefit. A lot of people that will come to you will have deeper rooted issues. So connecting them and and working alongside or with, or referencing um, a functional medicine practitioner or naturopath who will, you know, can run some blood work and do some really in-depth testing. If you, if the person like needs that, you are the perfect complement to those services. Um, so, cause where we usually start with coaching and somebody who's starting simply is yes, it, a lot of people are starting having no idea what real food is. They don't even know how to read labels, you know, mm. with all the respect we've gotten so far from real food that, you know, what is GMOs? What is really the difference? You're educating them on, you know what is real food and why this matters, and why you know certain foods should be prioritized organic, what this does you know these pesticides due to that stress response essentially you know I mean some that you 're starting at the beginning we want to solve everyone 's problem and save their life um, and and diagnose their greatest you know undiagnosed things and we get we get a lot of people that have been through doctors and testing, especially women um, with no answers sent home or you know, just put on a medication or given some diagnosis that's general like IBS, which is essentially a set of symptoms that mimics itself. It's not the root of the issue. So here they come to us and we still have a scope of liability to work within. So we know a lot though. When you understand the gut, you can understand a lot of things. And so what's helpful is you can help kind of send, work with the right people. So where we usually start is, like I said, some people really need the basics. Some are beyond that, but a lot need to start at the basics. And then, and then, like I said, as far as the dietary portion, yes, some kind of a removal protocol and then reintroduction so that they can really log and see and test their body's reactivity to certain foods. Um, now to go on beyond that is is now more in-depth coaching, and that's where maybe you bring in you say, hey, I got a really good functional medicine practitioner. Let's test your, you know, if you go to them, they, they'll probably want to test your nutrition levels, maybe some food allergies, because a lot of basic food tests is that people will get, and half the time they have a gluten intolerance, and it'll come back just fine. The test won't show an intolerance. It'll only show like a full-blown allergy. But what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of lifelong intolerance to to foods, and it's causing chronic inflammation. And these intolerances eventually exacerbate and turn into a full-blown allergy. My partner, for example, has a severe dairy allergy where he goes into anaphylactic shock. This didn't come about to that extent until his late teens. So he likely had an intolerance to conventional dairy for majority of his life, but as, as it exacerbated, it you know, turned into a full, very deadly allergy for him, which gives us hope. I have a, a previous graduate, too, from a few years ago, who the same thing happened with her husband, and he was literally allergic to almost everything on the panel. She went through a year of intensive allergy and gut repair with him, an allergy diet with him which is even more intense. And by a year later, he was back to just having intolerance symptoms from some of these foods. He hadn't even touched them for that year, but they experimented a little. And that just showed us that what we think we know about allergies and intolerances is is not accurate. We can develop full allergies later when the body's had enough. And that means that there is hope the body can reverse some of those things too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think you make, you know, there, as you say, their bodies had enough. That's so true. I know, I don't know if you would have heard of this um, over in the US, but there's a, a um, Dr. Tim Spector here in the UK who actually did an experiment. He was originally going to do it on himself. And then his son, um, who was a grown up son, volunteered to do it, where he basically ate nothing but McDonald's for. 10 days solid. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner always had to be McDonald's to see and examine what, is, um, what was the effect of eating that food on his gut bacteria. And what they found that where he had a really healthy microbiome before, actually those levels declined and some more of the kind of nasty, I suppose, type bacteria began to thrive just within that short period. But what was even more interesting was that it took, I think it was over a year for his gut microbiome to return to normal just after 10 mm. days of fast food. Wow. <laughs> Staggering. And that, that was somebody who was very healthy and returned mm. to a very healthy diet. And I, think, and I think people underestimate, don't they, the impact, as you say, of what levels of inflammation that's having, what impact that's having on their brain function. And overall, the whole body is inflamed in that scenario. Um, but what was really interesting when I was reading um, some of your work is that you also um, talk about the way that the microbiome of the mother affects the microbiome of the, the child. So this was interesting for me because I know that we see um, more balanced gut bacteria in um, babies that are born via the you know a vaginal delivery because they go mm-hmm. down the birth canal and they get bathed in the mother's bacteria. And like in some of the Scandi company, uh, countries in Europe, I think that if there is a C-section delivery, then they actually take a swab and, from the vagina and put that over the baby to try and encourage that mm-hmm. growth in the population of the gut. Um, but your, I'd love to hear more about what you're saying is that the microbiome, are you talking about the gut health of the mother also makes a difference?
0: Absolutely. It absolutely does. And I, it's really cool that there's some places that practice, that's what they call seeding, that swabbing of the mother to inoculate the baby essentially. Um, Because you have to request that here. I I scream it from the rooftops and I try not to insert myself in people's birth choices, even though I'm very passionate. Um, But I can't say enough how important it is. If you have to have a section have seeding be in your birth plan. Doctors here know nothing about it. Nurses, they'll probably look at you like you're crazy. People feel weird or gross for some reason. It's fine for the baby to come out of it, but it's not fine to swab it yeah. and
1: put it on the baby.
0: <laughs> um, but yes, so the state of a mother's gut, um, which I learned and I saw improve with my children as my gut improved. I, there's a lot of things that were I struggled with more with my first son that I did not struggle with my with my second. And it'll be interesting to see this baby. And I wish I knew then what I know now. But the state of a mother's gut is passed on to the baby so yes they get their best dosage of gut bacteria if they don't go through the birth canal then they get skin bacteria that is different they're touched Mm. by nurses and doctors and mom and stuff that is skin bacteria and it starts colonizing but to really get the best dose of internal gut bacteria to build that immune system the birth canal is is the way to go and they will get what mom gets the cool thing about nature is no matter the state of mom's gut It will do its best prior to delivery. They've notated now. Science has done some testing and seen that um, the gut bacteria of mom will improve the most dramatically right before delivery. Mm -hmm. So still, though, the better that we have our gut prior to pregnancy, during pregnancy and everything, the better gut we're going to pass on to baby. But there will be improvement for anybody compared to what they had. The body's going to try its best because it it just goes to show it knows it needs to hand off this immune system to this brand new creature that doesn't have one yet. And then so once the baby comes passes through the birth canal, it get it gets what mom gets and then it continues usually through breastfeeding. If if you know, hopefully we're able to breastfeed. I don't judge people's personal choices, but we have to understand the science when it comes to the health of our children because we all care about that. So to understand that if we want our kids to have the best immune systems possible. And now in this world of corona we're now talking about you know immune systems um that we can do so much to build and impact that baby's immune system through these things and if we can't if we can't it when you can at least understand how it works you can make choices so okay you you have to have a c-section it's an emergency unforeseen c-section something like that okay okay then put put seeding that baby in your plan give them the best that you can for what you have. Do your best to breastfeed them as long as you can, um, you know, or get donor milk from a safe source if you can, at least for whatever time you can. The more we can do, the better, you know. So we talk about really cultivating a, a person's immune system from the get-go. Um, and actually, I just put out a new course. It's a, a new personal course um, that's all about that. It's it's called, because my initial course is called Buddha, Buddha Belly. It's a five-week program, five, six-week program for personal gut restorative restoration that's for individuals the new one's called Buddha belly baby bump and that's what it's all about because gut health had such an impact on our hormones on our fertility and then on our child and what we pass on to them so that's been a huge topic lately is is babies and gut health
1: and so what would you say, like, so you were talking that, you know, super important not to make moms feel guilty. So many parents that are listening to this, if they haven't, you know, they were unfortunate, they had an emergency C-section, they weren't aware of seeding, um, and then they really, really struggled to breastfeed. What can they then do to really enhance that child's um, gut microbiome?
0: Understand how the gut works. The gut is a garden. Uh, and even I like to see it like a zoo. Okay. It's like a, it's like your own little farm of animals and they all, they're, they're like little worker bees and they all have different jobs because different microbi or different microbes have different jobs. Some are related to your metabolism. Some are related to your sleep. Some are related to all these things, right? So Mm. if they're, if, if they're not doing well, then you'll see suffering in different areas because you don't have, you know, you've hurt your workers. Um, so you need to make sure they're as strong and powerful as possible. So this information, the information isn't to judge. Like I said, I wish I knew with my first, he was a vaginal at home delivery, no drugs. Um, but my gut was not great. It had showed that from prior to him with my miscarriages and all kinds of things. And he cried all the time. He had, he was colicky, quote unquote. That just means a baby has a tummy issue. Nobody knows what it is. You know, I wish I had, and I was nursing and my milk was not doing it what it was supposed to do. My hormones were not doing what they were supposed to do. I wish I would have known, but once you can understand it, I can understand what I do now. So where do we go from here? That garden, that zoo, that, that place of life. Okay. I know that my kid didn't get set up as well with it, but I can do everything I can now to build and cultivate it, to not work against it, not get up in the morning and feed them sugar cereal and call it breakfast. All I'm doing is feeding their, their, the bad bacteria and letting that proliferate and I am squashing the good bacteria that they need. I'm trying to grow adding more add you know, having a more whole foods based diet and, and probiotic, you know, healthy probiotic foods and, and things like that to, replenish and plant. You're going to plant that garden. You didn't get to plant it when they were born, but we're going to plant it and cultivate it. Now, one of the biggest issues we see, regardless of how kids were born, is an an overusage of antibiotics. Mm. Antibiotics mean against life, right? Probiotic is pro-life. Probiotic means the microbes go in the body. Um, Antibiotic means we kill them. So, you know, kids, at least here in the U.S., they are prescribed antibiotics for every little earache, which are generally... Viral, not bacterial or a mm. virus, and the, it, the antibiotic doesn 't even do anything except for it kills all the the microbes, so much of the microbes that are needed to build and, and maintain an immune system so that 's the unfortunate part is is for parents to just understand not they 'll judge there 's nothing to judge in doing our best. we all have regret you know I will never I always say i 'll pay for my kid's therapy when they get older wherever they need it because I know <laughs> that there'll be <laughs> Thing. I've done my best and I hope that they feel all of that, but I'll totally understand. I would love to support any kind of healing or nurturing that they need that I did not do right. <laughs> I no, love that.
1: That's... <laughs> it's so true, though, isn't it? We all like, just, really, as a parent, you're just trying to not screw them up
0: too much. <laughs> exactly. And the more knowledge, knowledge is power. So to learn without feeling too guilty or anything means that you are ready to take this information and utilize it. You're going to give your kids better. You're going to teach them better so they can give their kids better so that you can help them. The amount of parents that have teenagers um, with extreme depression I've had, I've known mothers who you know, sleep in their kids' bed about every night because they're so scared um, for how they're doing. Their teen kids. This is, this is epidemic levels of mental health, especially in children. And so to know that that connection's there, to understand how the body functions and all these aspects and to be able to assess where they've come from and then what we can do to, to create this in them is just essential because once you understand things, we can do better and we can we can put hope in what we think is hopeless. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, isn't it?
1: Everything has a knock-on effect. Like you were saying, 90% of serotonin is made in the gut and you need serotonin to actually make melatonin so you sleep. So it becomes this vicious cycle where you then don't produce enough melatonin, then you can't stay asleep. Then you feel really down on top of not having enough serotonin because you're so underslept. Um, Yeah. Well, we
0: supplement with it and we we do it, we become dependent on trying to supplement with it. I see this a lot. And what people don't understand is the body needs to produce it on its own. So if mm-hmm. we keep supplementing with something, we're not, we're not getting to the root of helping the body actually manufacture it on its own. And so that can have negative side effects too when we become dependent on anything like that. Some of that stuff is fine temporarily. But over long term, yeah, it's all about the, the function of the natural body first, and then, what we can do to assist it?
1: Yeah, that's so important. I think here the guidelines are a bit strict, so we can't—you can't actually supplement with melatonin um, unless really? it's prescribed by a doctor. Yeah, that's so great. Um, you can't get a hold of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that the things are take different it like in here. <laughs> Kenny, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's—it's uh, a bit like you were saying with ear infections. Here, I know that you know when my kids have had them now, they—they they won't prescribe antibiotics. They say that it's viral oh. mostly with ear infections, but. Um, yeah, right. that's the thing. The days, the pill for every ill is always
0: a dangerous one, right? Um, so. And we need to be aware as parents and, and humans in general that, and I think this virus, um, the blessing in it is that it's showing us that we need to be knowledgeable and advocate for our own health. We can't just trust sources. There's a reason they call it a second opinion because it's it's a practice. They call medicine a practice and there's a lot of, you know, drug backings behind a lot of these practices so in order for you to make peace with your choices regardless of whatever you choose Mm -hmm. empower yourself to do your research and to make your own choices and feel confident in your information and and ask multiple sources and research both sides and do all that with ourselves and our kids and everything that's what I had to do nobody was going to save me they would have given me a pill and I and it would have just led to more pills antidepressants have a, a wicked effect on the lining of the gut in the body. And when, if your issue is not, is, is a gut dysbiosis that's causing an, a, a lack of serotonin and dopamine production, then more pharmaceuticals are definitely not going to help that functional problem, you know, and nobody would have done that for me. I had to do it myself. And, you know, as much as I suffered, I don't regret it because I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be able to help all the people I can help today. And I wouldn't be able to speak hope for people that that can relate to that and that feel like there isn't any.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think I think the thing with antidepressants is they're there really as a crutch. If you have to take them short term mm-hmm. to be able to do the work on yourself and your health that you need to do, that's what they yes. should be there. But they're not a cure all. Um Mm-mm. isn't it? That that's they're there to kind of help you. But as you say, if you don't find what the root cause is, then you mm-hmm. can never, sadly, never really get better. Yep.
0: Um, and people, you know, get roped into thinking that they 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 have a condition forever. You know, yeah. they have a label, and that if without this, they they can't exist. You know, yeah. And yeah. and there's hope. And what
1: would you say? Because some people find, you know, that they they feel like it's restrictive. What's your kind of ethos in terms of? You know, nobody has a perfect diet per se, but in terms of, do you go with the kind of 90-10 or 80-20 rule? What do you say to people in terms of getting it right? I mean, when you're trying to heal, you've got to be 100% on it. But um, beyond that, people's life gets in the way. And then if they they can't, you know, hold themselves accountable all of the time, then the guilt kicks in. And sometimes that can just compound the behaviors, um, the bad behaviors and make them do it more
0: so absolutely. So like what you said about when you're trying, if you're trying to heal, like for instance, a lot of people have issues with gluten, they've shown it can stay in the bloodstream for up to six months. Okay. So diligence is key, which is why getting, getting real with somebody when you're going to start something like, you know, I, I believe in you, we can do a lot of this, but I need to know you're ready and you're ready to do this. And when you're ready, I'm going to be right next to you the whole way you know, that empowerment piece that like, mm-hmm. it's not always easy, you know, and we'll find alternatives. You know, if you love, if you got kind of a sweet tooth or whatever, we'll find alternatives that aren't going to be so rough and blah, blah, blah. But then as far as maintenance go, goes, that's up to you. Yes, absolutely. I think 80% of your diet should unquestionably be whole healthy foods, you know, lots of plants, some, if you eat meat, you know, you're healthy, um, lean, you know, grass fed, animal products, um, some healthy fruits and antioxidant berries and things like that. Um, and, and some of your, if you do grain, then your your organic whole grains, you know, prepared properly and stuff like that. 80% of your diet at least should be that. And that's not that hard to do actually. If you sit back and you really look at it, if you were to plan out your meals for a day, it's not that hard to do. Now someone may have an intolerance. Like I said, they may be really intolerant to gluten. They can't just cheat a little ever with that. They may decide that forever and ever, that is something that they will always find an alternative to. You know, it's like it's like my partner and his dairy allergy. He can never cheat with milk or we go to the hospital. <laughs> it mm-hmm. just isn't. He just knows that the, that his body, it's not just not great for his body. His body hates it. He can't do it. So someone might have something, you know, like that. But as far as, you know, refined sugar isn't a part of, like, my regular diet or something. But every once in a while, if I want to, to eat something, you know, ice cream with my kids or whatever. It's like, I, I can feel okay with that when I've put in a lot of work and um, done more of that healing time and where 80% at least of my my diet and my lifestyle is incredibly clean. But it, it just, it just isn't, isn't bad, you know? And you might actually see it. You might eat a piece of pizza or something and be like, man, I really, I don't feel this life that I usually feel I feel kind of nasty right now you know you'll, you'll see that too but maybe you're like eh, it's worth it it's a party or it's something else so yeah that's true it, actually yeah, when I'm you switching. take out
1: the bad stuff and then you have it it becomes much more obvious to you that you suddenly feel like gosh I feel foggy groggy it doesn't feel right it's not sitting right um, as you say whereas when you're eating it all the time for people that are doing that it's just their version of normal so
0: they're not they're not aware yeah. necessarily of the, of the effect. And one Um, thing to emphasize too is that the gut bacteria, as your gut bacteria improve and change, um, your cravings and stuff will too those, those really pathogenic, you know, more of the bad bacteria, which sometimes we still need some of those. We just need them in small ratios and they're proliferating and they're taking over and we don't have the good bacteria. So that's a problem. But some of those bacteria, they thrive greatly on like refined sugar. So they will create more brain signals saying I need sugar right now. I need something sweet at all these hours. Um, they affect your sleep and you're not sleeping enough. So you'll crave simple carbohydrates. So a lot of the hard that feels hard when someone starts a regimen like this isn't so hard after they get into it for a while because as they start kind of changing the gut they'll change a lot of those signals too and what they crave and how intense that is and their appetite control all of that will start transforming quite a bit Mm, that's a great
1: point. That's a great point. Um, and I think it does, as you say, it gets easier for people because they're they're not so driven by those cravings. Um, I just wanted to touch on, because I think this is a really important point that a lot of people don't realize, is you mentioned that if you can tolerate grains and you're eating them, just make sure that they're prepared properly. Can you explain how people can do that? Is this sort of soaking and fermenting? Can you explain a bit more?
0: Yes, like soaking, sprouting, things like that. Um, it breaks down some of those anti-nutrients um, in some of these harder to digest things. So whether it be beans and legumes um, or, you know, grains, you know, we want to, uh, we want to like prioritize, let's say brown rice over white rice, because white rice has been st- removed of all of its nutrition ironically white rice because of this that was more digestible so you'll see like in our vedic protocols and stuff there's a lot of white rice in there um, when you're doing a cleanse but it is just a simple carbohydrate the way it's processed so you know if we want the, the more nutrition dense grains and and beans and things then it's important to prepare them right and a lot of the times in a healing phase a lot of people won't tolerate them well at all very well. Mm. Like, um, you know, like for me, like I, I don't do oatmeal. Well beans, my gut kind of hates beans. Like I, there's a few kinds that are more easily digestible. And if I soak them or like lentils that I can handle them a lot better. Um, but I've learned that because I, I removed some of this stuff and then I reintegrated just a little here and there and was able to just to notate the reactivity of my own personal body and see and, and see what it reacted to. And as time goes on, when you're working on your gut, you may start reacting differently to different foods as your gut changes too. So it's just kind of one of those, the biggest thing about being a coach, like in our coaches, like I tell people, is you're an ed- you educate and you empower. Those are the biggest things. You teach and then you, you uplift people and you give them that, that empowerment to do it. But an important part of actual coaching is teaching people how to listen to their own bodies because no one is a cookie cutter. And so they often just don't know how to do that. We've gotten really far from knowing how to do that. So a coach is a great guide in how to listen to your own body and really go with your own approaches that suit you best
1: yeah i think that's absolutely right they need to people need to journal and understand and i think isn't it sally fallon i think she has a great book on nourishing traditions about how mm-hmm. to kind of soak and ferment and sprout and do these right yes. um because yeah that opens doors it's a bit like you know eating sourdough bread you know with a sourdough uh, yes. starter it's, it's better tolerated for many people yep mm.
0: yep or even sometimes raw milks you know raw goat mm-hmm. milk or something as opposed to you know conventional processed pasteurized yeah. dairy products Yep. Yeah,
1: for sure. That makes a difference. So, well, thank you so much for all of that. I'd just like to kind of close with what would be your um, top three recommendations then for people in terms of optimizing their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health? What would be the three biggest things that they could take away and use?
0: Well, one would be move your body. Even if it's just, especially in nature, there's something about nature. It sounds too simple, but just getting into nature, however you can and moving your body. It's a great place for spiritual work. It's a great place. You know, it's not just a physical thing. It's a great, just great place to recenter and think and all those things Um, to really definitely learn to focus on the majority of what we eat and what we feed our kids being whole foods. It's a perfect place to start. That's what we were designed to do. The body was not designed to live on food that wasn't actually food. Um, and, And then is to just be really committed to personal growth. If we get into personal growth, then we're just, we, instead of chastising ourselves for everything that we are not, we get excited about making a plan for everything that we can become and all the things that we can do. And we're able to be introspective and look at our, our emotions and our thoughts and our physical bodies and decide what, what we is good and what isn't, what, what is non-negotiable? What is something that I don't want to live with or feel anymore? What am I going to do about it and feel empowered that we can do it us. We don't have to wait for somebody else to do it for Oh, I love that.
1: Those are amazing. And that, um, I love the idea of creating these non-negotiables. I just think actually it frees up so much mental space. It makes life so much easier. Um, is there a book in terms of sort of your own, that inspired your own kind of journey spiritually and emotionally to get over that
0: anxiety that, or someone that you followed? Do you know, as far as my mental health piece, no, that was more experiences that had done that piece for me. Mm. Um, but as one of the most impactful books and all my, I have all my students read it and it's going it to sound kind of funny. I am a huge fan of Tony Robbins. if you know who he is, Yes, yeah, sure. like he's like, he's my hero. He's an incredible man. Um, and he prioritizes health, but he's an empower of humans. And he knows that that mind, mindset piece is just so essential. Um, his book, uh, unlimited power, is I, I have all my coaches read it. It's it's essential for coaching. It's just, it's just everything about personal growth work and the way that we think and how we attack life. And that is probably my number one, one of my most favorite books, if I were to tell anybody to read it.
1: Yeah, it's a brilliant book. Absolutely brilliant. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, so where can, people, um, where can people find you, Brittany? I know we connected over LinkedIn, but how can they find out
0: more about you and what you do? Yeah, so as far as the school goes and all the coach training and gut health information and blogs and stuff, um, you can find that at hwcacoach.com or more simply guthealthschool.com. As far as personal programs, though, for people, like I said, we have a a six-week personal restoration course and then um, the new Buddha Belly Baby Bump course. uh, You can find that at um, buddhabellycoach.com. So brilliant. And, um, are
1: you active on social media platforms as well? Can you, Oh, way too active.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, So, I mean, I have my personal stuff, you know, on Facebook and Instagram under, so Buddha belly coach is my Instagram handle. Um, uh, gut health school is Instagram handle for the the school and then Facebook, you know, I'm under Brittany Oliver I think sometimes I'm a little harder to find on that, but Holistic Wellness Coaching Academy is there as well as, you know, uh, I think it's still to Belly Coach under that. So I'm kind of all over the place. All over, lots of
1: places. I will link to all of those in the show notes for this podcast. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Angela. It was great to be here.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe.